0: May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. So, if you saw your uh, email newsletter earlier this week, you'll know my name's Alan Bentrip. You also may think you know I'm a Dallas native. But there are some slights that must not go unaddressed. I'm actually a Fort Worth native, so please don't accuse me of being from Dallas. Although my wife's from Dallas, and I love Dallas folks, I guess, in case my in-laws are watching. I love people in Dallas. No, but I'm, I'm a Texan, right? I serve in the Diocese of Upper South Carolina right now. I'm on the bishop's staff there. And so one of the things I get to do is travel around to different churches. And so I'm in a different place every Sunday. I get to learn the quirks of congregations and how they do things. And when I mess up, like I'm gone the next week so people don't get too upset with me. So please forgive me if I mess anything up because I'll be gone and you can forget about that. But, like, sometimes I travel around the state. It's not often that, like, the place I'm serving is literally a thousand miles. Like, my family and I drive back to Dallas sometimes, and when we get on the road, we get on I-20 and are out of sight of our neighborhood, and we drive literally 1,000 miles on the dot, and we exit I-20 to go to my in-laws. But I love coming back here. And as I reflected on being back in this place, Dallas, and when I reflected on being here at this time, Pentecost, it brought to mind one of my favorite childhood memories. It's, it's now got a new name and it's been rebuilt and all of this, and maybe you remember it like I do, the Biblical Arts Center. Maybe that's the place you all went to, right? It used to be, it's by North Park. I say used to because when I lived here last time, it burned. It actually burned around the time that I got married. We were supposed to do a uh, rehearsal dinner there. That didn't work out too well, thanks to the fire. But we used to go there for um, field trips. I went to a small private school, and we would go on field trips to the Biblical Arts Center. And, you know, as kids do, we were mostly excited that we weren't in school. We were kind of excited that we were going to a museum and seeing things. But I can remember as a kid walking into this one room, and if you've been there, you probably know what I'm talking about, Like once every hour, this room, a curtain is drawn back, the lights change, and there's sounds, and it's a super immersive experience. There's like a 120-foot-wide mural that's painted, and it's scenes of biblical heroes, it's scenes of, of unnamed, nondescript people, it's a scene of Pentecost. That painting was, it burned, that painting was called The Miracle at Pentecost. And we heard the story in Acts 2, right? This, not just a, a mural would do it justice because there's this giant mural, but there's also the sound that came out in this room. There's the lights that came out in this room. And it was fully immersive. And so for me, as an elementary school aged kid, it was amazing. It was larger than life. It was the voice of God. It was lights shining from on high. It was overwhelming but I remember thinking then and even now as I reflect on it I was just a spectator when you sat in that room you looked at Pentecost and you were just a spectator you were looking at a miraculous event that happened a long time ago to really holy people and you were just there as a person in the room And I think sometimes I feel like that. Sometimes I think if we're honest, we all feel like that. There are miraculous things, there are big things, there are wonderful things that God does with and in and through people. But I'm just trying to live my life. I see these great and wonderful and miraculous things God does in and with and through people. But my days are spent dropping my kids at school, paying bills, and mowing the yard. Because I think for us too often, these ideas of Pentecost, these ideas of participating in the birth of something, the participating in God's mission to the ends of the earth, seem like that mural at the Biblical Arts Center. It's wonderful, it's majestic, and it's something I get to watch from the outside. And our reading from Acts, at least for me, reinforces that a little bit. It's a, it's a crazy story. People are overwhelmed with rushing wind, a voice from God, flames, people that shouldn't be able to understand one another, understanding one another, and it seems big and miraculous and different. And we just read about it, or we just hear it. But I think the gospel lesson we heard today can help us bridge that and help us understand what it is for Jesus to come to us, what it is for God to come to us. So our gospel reading today from St. John, it picks up on Easter night, right? Earlier in the chapter, a few verses before, Mary goes to the tomb. She discovers, ta-da, the tomb is empty. She starts to get an understanding of what happened. And she starts to remember, probably, the things Jesus said a few days before. And for her, it starts to click. And she goes off, and she starts telling people. And then we get to our portion that we heard today, where we have the disciples. We don't know from the reading if the disciples know what Mary discovered. I tend to think not because they're locked, they've locked themselves in a room and they're confused and scared. And so they don't yet know what's happened. So they're huddled up and they're scared for their lives. They don't know what to do. They're behind locked doors. And in walks Jesus. Jesus. And so as I read this gospel, there's a couple things that stick out to me that help me understand, hopefully help us understand, how it is exactly that Jesus shows up to us. The first thing in this gospel that is pretty clear is the disciples were in a locked room. They've locked the door. But locked doors don't keep Jesus out. Locked doors didn't keep Jesus out of that room with the disciples. Locked doors don't keep Jesus out of the places I sometimes wish he wouldn't go in my life. And I'm betting locked doors don't keep Jesus out of those places sometimes you want to keep hidden. Because Jesus can go places that nobody else can go. Jesus can go to those places that no friend can go. Jesus can go to those places that no family member can go. Jesus can go to those places that no therapist can get to. Jesus can go even to those places that we don't want him to get to. The second thing I notice is why the disciples were behind these locked doors. It says, for fear of the Jews. What that means is they were scared for their lives. In their mind, their teacher, in their mind, their leader, their friend, had just been killed. And there were people out there hunting Jesus' friends. And so the disciples gathered in a room, scared to death, and locked the door. And once Jesus breaks through, or walks through, or however he got in there, he says, peace be with you. So not even the disciples' fear could keep Jesus from showing up. And I don't know what it looks like for you, but for me, my fears that keep me in locked rooms are sometimes the fear that I won't live up to someone's expectations. Or maybe it's the fear that I'll let someone down. Or it's the fear that I won't be Enough. I'll let you all fill in the blank for your fears. But Jesus shows up while the disciples still fear. Jesus doesn't wait for the disciples to figure it out. Jesus doesn't wait for the disciples to have it all together. Jesus doesn't even wait for the disciples to have faith to overcome the fear. Jesus shows up. In the midst of the fear. And the last thing I notice is that Jesus gets through the locked doors. Jesus gets through in the midst of fear, and Jesus goes right into the heart of it. Jesus doesn't stand around the edges, Jesus doesn't hover on the outside engaging with the disciples as some kind of distant deity. Jesus comes and stands in their midst, the gospel says. Jesus comes right in the mess. Jesus comes right in the fear. Jesus comes right into their lives. And that's great news for us. Because that means Jesus comes through the doors that we try to throw up. Jesus comes through the walls that we put up to protect us. Jesus comes in the midst of the fears that sometimes lead us to put up those walls. Jesus comes to us in our fears of what could be. And Jesus comes right into the midst of us. Not looking from the outside as we live our life, but coming right in in the midst of our life. And the last thing Jesus does with the disciples is he gives them a job to do. As the Father has sent me, Jesus says, so I am sending you. Now, the disciples haven't had it all figured out, right? They're still in a locked room. No one's unlocked the door because Jesus just got in. They're still fearful. Jesus has told them, peace be with you. For when someone tells me not to be afraid, I sometimes double down on my fear. They haven't figured it out, but in the midst of that, Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. So let's think about what the disciples heard in that as the Father has sent me, Jesus said. Jesus had talked to the disciples over the years about what he came to do, why the Father sent him. So when the disciples hear, as the Father sent me, they hear, I have come to proclaim release to the captives. I have come to proclaim to be a light in the darkness. I have come to clothe the naked. I have come to feed the hungry. I have come to reconcile the world. Those are the things Jesus himself said he came to do. And now he's telling the disciples, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. Jesus comes to us and says, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you to proclaim release to the captives. So I'm sending you to be the light in the darkness. So I'm sending you to clothe the naked, feed the hungry. So I'm sending you to help continue God's reconciling work in the world. And that's the point at which this locked room turns in to the story of Pentecost. Because something happened that night when Jesus came in the midst of the fear, in the midst of the locked doors, in the midst of the disciples. Something came and clicked. And they unlocked the door. And they walked out. And they started to gather with others, and they started to heal people, and they started to teach people, and they started to have dinner together all the time, and they started all of these things. But first they experienced Jesus. First they experienced the risen Christ. And they unlocked the door. And without that, without that story from John, we don't get to the disciples gathered with people from all over the world who understand each other and the voice from heaven coming down and the wind blowing through and the fire coming down. We don't get to any of that without people scared to death in a locked room experiencing the risen Christ. We, in this room, hopefully it's not locked. That's not great for evangelism. (laughs) We in this room have experienced the risen Christ. We in this room have heard Jesus say, are hearing Jesus say, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And that may look like Pentecost. That may look like the ends of the earth. That may look like going to a place where you don't know the language and helping people that you don't understand because that's what you feel God to do. And maybe for some of you, that is what God is calling you to do. But for some of us, many of us, God is simply calling us not to the ends of the earth, but to the end of the block. Because the person at the end of our block needs to hear the good news of freedom to the captives, the good news of sight to the blind, the good news of light in the darkness, the good news of what Jesus Christ has done in our life. And like the disciples, it's starting in that room. For us, it starts in this room where we come together in the midst of our fears, in the midst of of our locked rooms, of our facades, of everything we try to throw up, and we experience the risen Christ. As the Father has sent me, Jesus says, so I am sending you. And now it's our turn to respond. What are we going to do with God's command? My hope, my prayer, is that we unlock the door and that we get to work. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.